Welcome to the Clinical Podcast Series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. Today's episode is entitled, Effectiveness of Vergence Accommodative Therapy for Accommodative Dysfunction in Children with Convergence Insufficiency. Our host today is Dr. April Jasper. Our topical expert is Dr. Heather Anderson, and our topical editor is Dr. Maureen Plowman. Now it is my pleasure to bring you today's episode. Hi, everyone. I'm April Jasper, and I'm speaking today with Heather Anderson, an associate professor at The Ohio State University College of Optometry. Heather completed both her OD and PhD training at the University of Houston and is a fellow of the American Academy of Optometry. Today, she will be discussing the January 2021 ophthalmic and physiological optics paper entitled Effectiveness of Vergence Accommodative Therapy for Accommodative Dysfunction in Children with Convergence Insufficiency by Chen et al. Heather, welcome. Thanks so much for being here with me. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So as you said, I'm an associate professor at The Ohio State University College of Optometry, and I also chair the graduate program in vision science here. I do pediatric vision research. I study a lot with accommodation, and I also work with special populations, particularly individuals with Down syndrome. Wow, that is awesome. And I am so glad you're here to be able to help us better understand this research that has been published. So let's start with this. Can you share with us a bit of the background for what this study was investigating? Absolutely. So the goal of this paper is really to begin to answer the overall large question of whether or not vision therapy is effective for treating accommodative dysfunction in children. So while we do have some evidence that vision therapy can work for that condition, additional support is needed before eye care professionals are able to adopt it at large. And this study offers some of that additional support. I'm sure that vision therapy can come in many forms and that the patients who are candidates for it span a wide range of clinical presentations. It can definitely be challenging to design studies to investigate these treatments in children. What are some of the strengths of this study? You're absolutely right. It can be very challenging to design studies and get the investigators on the same page and decide what questions they want to answer. Um, But one major strength about this paper is that the study was conducted as a multi-center randomized clinical trial. So why is that important? Well, some practitioners might feel that they already have the evidence that they need from their own clinical experience to be convinced about vision therapy for accommodative dysfunction. But the trouble is when we base all of our knowledge on our own personal experience, then there can be bias. And so If I believe it works, then I might perceive my patient's outcomes from a certain treatment in a more favorable light, for example. And if the patient's expecting the treatment to work, then they might anecdotally report that they're feeling that it's helping. And so randomized clinical trials allow us to remove that bias. And we remove the bias by randomly assigning the treatments to the study participants and actually keeping the treatment assignment secret from both the doctors and the patients that are receiving the treatments. And so in this particular study, there was active vision therapy, and then there was fake or sham vision therapy. And the doctors who were collecting the measurements to see how well the therapies worked didn't know which one the patient was receiving. And the patient themselves didn't know which one they were receiving. 
The other big strength on this is that since it's a multi-site study, that means that we can generalize the findings to a broader number of clinicians and a more diverse patient base. I love it. So this specific study presents data from patients who were part of the clinical trial CITTART. What was the purpose of CITTART? Was it just to study accommodative therapy? So no, it actually was not just to study accommodative therapy, even though that's what this paper emphasizes. CITTART stands for Convergence Insufficiency Treatment Trial, Attention and Reading Trial. That's the ART part. There was actually an original CITT study that was looking at the effectiveness of office-based therapy for treating convergence insufficiency in children. This is a new study that came after that that also wanted to look at attention and reading with therapy. And so CITTR was funded by the National Eye Institute and it included enrolling more than 300 children between the ages of nine to 14 enrolled across nine clinical sites. And the main purpose of this study was to enroll children with symptomatic CI and evaluate whether or not the treatment of CI with office-based divergence and accommodative therapy resulted in improved attention and reading. But because a large percentage of the kids in this study also had deficits in their accommodation, that allowed the authors to look at this subset of children to determine if the vision therapy that they were receiving also helped their accommodative deficits. And so that's what this paper is focusing on, that subset of kids. And in fact, it was 58% of the kids in the trial who had decreased accommodative amplitudes and about 35% who had decreased accommodative facility. And so they were able to see if those who were randomized to sham therapy versus active therapy had different outcomes with regard to their accommodation. Okay, so here is the moment of truth. What were the overall findings of the study and did vision therapy benefit the children with accommodative dysfunction? So it actually did benefit those children who received the active therapy. Um, These findings are very exciting in support of the ability to improve accommodative function through active therapy. But interestingly, both the kids who were randomized to the sham therapy and the kids who got the active therapy did have some improvement in their accommodative measures. And so that's why it's so important that this was a clinical trial with randomization and masking because kids who received any attention at all, any treatment at all, did have some improvements, but it was the kids who got the active therapy who had the most improvements. And it was significantly greater than those who received the sham therapy. 69% of the kids who got the active therapy achieved normal accommodative amplitudes and 85% achieved normal facility by the end of 16 weeks of therapy. And so that was in comparison to less than half of the kids in the sham group achieving normal levels. And even more exciting was the pace at which these improvements occurred. The kids who had significant improvements, some of them came as early as four weeks after initiating vision therapy for their amplitudes and as early as eight weeks for normalizing or improving accommodative facility. Wow, that is really encouraging for the prospect of treating children who have both CI and accommodative dysfunction. But you know what you mentioned in the beginning that this study provides just some of the evidence needed. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Are there any limitations to the study or next steps that you see need to be taken? 
Yeah, so there are always next steps to be taken. And I should mention that the original CITT trial that was published in 2011 also demonstrated some of these findings. And so this provides even further evidence and shows that those effects are repeatable. But one thing that this study was not able to comment on was the improvement of symptoms in the patients. And that's something that is very important to us as clinicians. We want to be able to improve symptoms for our patients because that's how they know how the condition is impacting their life. And so that would be a further next step for this type of research is to try to understand how these therapies end up impacting patient symptoms. But that said, this is still a really exciting study that came out. And if you're somebody who does accommodative therapy and wants to delve into that to treat accommodative deficits in your practice, I would strongly encourage you to delve into this paper to get the details about the actual types of therapy that they were using. Thank you, Heather, so much. And great advice to all of those out there who need a little bit more information about what we've discussed today. And a special thanks to CooperVision for their educational grant to make it all happen.